Happy Halloween and welcome to Tit Radio Episode 12. Let's meet our round table of geeks. Klaatu. Hello, everyone. Peter 64. G'day. Azmuth. Howdy, howdy. G-Man. Hello. 330. Ahoy, hoy. And I'm Monster B. And let's let's dive right into the feedback. The, the first feedback I got was from Terry F. I got a private message from him the other day, I think. I mean, he, he mastered IRC. It, it's just amazing what he can do now. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> but he sent me a message. He, he created a new Juiced Penguin feed. So if there's anybody that used to listen, because I was having problems downloading the shows. Because I guess, like, you know, like G-Potter would try to pull down, you know, like all their blog posts, too. Because I guess Randy had all the, everything in the one feed. Oh, yeah. So Terry created a, a new feed, and I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. And another one, an email I got was from Andy Owen. He says he was catching up on some of the older podcasts, and he was walking home the other day listening to Tip Radio, and people were talking about Hannah Montana Lennox. As soon as Peter started singing, his headphones started playing up. By the time he was done, the right ear of his headphone completely stopped working. (laughs) And he says, uh, I think it takes quite some talent to be able to sing so badly that equipment is destroyed. (laughs) And then he put respect to Andy. What do you think of that, Peter? The only thing I've got to say to that, Andy, is ain't you got no gingerbread, ain't you got no candy... Ain't you got no extra bed for me and little Andy? That's all I've got, monster. Like. <laughs> is that a real song? Yeah, it is. Dolly Parton sang it. Me and little Andy. Oh, man. How did you know this thing? Uh, That's a awesome me, song. Andy, I can, I can sing worse. You wait till I get a couple of bees in me. Uh. Well, hopefully you broke the other side. <laughs> uh, we did have some other feedback from Cafe Ninja. He was listening to us and he said, just just his two cents worth. If you're going to use Screen, it, it's a good idea to install the Screen Profiles package. Now, me and myself, don't, I don't know what that is, but it's probably worth looking up. It, he said he likes uses SSH space dash T, then the host, then screen space dash R, which is actually quite good because I was SSHing into my machine, then running screen in there, but this way it's just automatic. You just run that in the terminal and straight away you're in your screen session. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And, uh, he did go on to say that that does something else too. It's something about has um, better session connected and drop updating since the local TTY isn't being opened and something to that effect. So, yeah, anyway, that's a good one to know. Thanks, Cafe Ninja. Anybody else get any feedback? Nope. I I did get another one, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to have to do some research on it. Somebody with the name Nikki with a K, and they made a comment about my hair. I don't know. What's the matter? Don't they like mullets? No, I don't have a mullet. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to have to find out if this is a real email or not, or if somebody's just goofing around. But they do like my hair. They see me at Ohio Lennox Fest. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, it's kind of weird. All right. Anyways, uh, you can send us feedback at titradio.info. 
And you can also post it on hackerpublicradio.org. And also, we have a thread going over at BinRev forums and uh, Linux Cranks oh, forums. Well, I didn't know we were in the BinRev forums. Yeah, there, there's a, I guess, Enigma, or I think it's him. He Somebody posts every show over there. Oh, and, that's the spider, the little the crawler thing okay. they got going. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you can definitely leave comments over there. Oh, cool, okay. And also on the Linux Cranks forum. And I'll put the links in the show notes. All right, Claude, you want to start off with the first topic? Yeah. Um, have you guys heard about, I mean, you probably have, but have you heard about Tiny Core Linux? Yeah, I heard about it. Never tried it. Okay, what do you what what do you believe it is? I want to see if I'm the only one who had a misperception of it. I, I thought it was just like a tiny little Linux distro that was about 10 megabytes. Okay, yeah, actually, that's more than I really understood it to be. I thought it was like literally just almost like a really basic kernel image. Well, I guess I kind of thought it was a distro, but what it is, as it turns out, is it is a small, like it's 10 megabytes, little distro. You boot up, it boots in like literally like uh, five seconds or something. I mean, it's super fast. And then it it actually gives you an, a, a desktop, a GUI desktop. And from this desktop, you can start building up your own little, um, almost a Linux from scratch distribution. I mean, except that it's not Linux from scratch, obviously. Tiny core, but I mean, what you do is you can copy, you know, their little boot folder over to your either your USB drive or your hard drive wherever you're installing it. I installed it on my triple EPC just for kicks on one of the cards in there, and then you set up Grub, and they have this little repository that they maintain filled with um, what are called Tiny Core extensions (TCEs), or actually I think now it's TCZs, but I was using an older version of Tiny Core, um, and these are little little packages, a little bit like the Slacks modules, if you've ever looked into running Slacks, how they have their little modules that you can install for, for extra applications. They're a little bit like that. They're basically self-contained, uh, tar, tar.gzipped little, I guess, uh, self-contained binaries of the applications that you might want to run on your computer. And those go into one directory. And you're you know, your little core Linux distribution is in another directory, and then you can redirect it. You can say, okay, I want the the core of the OS to be on this partition, and then my home to be over here, so you can have a persistent home, or you can have your little, your extension directory somewhere else, so that it can be, you know, when you install applications after your reboot, you don't lose all those applications. And there are all kinds of little extensions. They have the, the Atheros drivers for the Wi-Fi stuff. They've got the, um, I mean, they've just got everything, you know, GCC, well, I don't know if they have GCC, but they've got, like, all, a lot of the GNU utilities and, and stuff like that. So basically, Tiny Core is a busy box install, I guess, with an, a GUI desktop. You can install, like, Fluxbox extension, so you, you can boot into Fluxbox, or what they call ha- is a hacked box, which is, like, Fluxbox with some open box extras included into it somehow. That's what I'm running right now. Um and just all kinds of cool things. And writing your own extensions isn't even that hard, actually. It's a little bit like a Slack build in, in that you just basically you compile the application that you want, but you compile it into a, a separate, you know, a different destination directory. So destdir equals whatever. Uh, then you move the documentation over and stuff like that, and then you just tar it and zip it up and call it a .tcz and drop it into your little extension directory and next time you boot up uh, tiny core you now have that application installed and it's in your path and you just type it in and start running it so a lot of cool little applications in their repo right now 
and um, a really, really fast boot time, and everything just works really, really fast, as you can imagine. I mean, this thing is tiny, and at least on the triple EPC, it, I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable how it's just out of the box. I mean, everything just kind of like, I mean, the, not everything just worked, but I mean, it was really easy getting everything installed so that it, that it worked really promptly. Uh, including the resol you know the resolution of the screen and everything was really easy to adjust and stuff like that. It's really really cool. Lots of fun to to play around with. And a 10 megabytes download. I mean that's like you almost can't help but play around with it. I mean it's like 10 megabytes. I've downloaded you know podcasts that are like five times that size. I mean just download it. Try it out. It's really fun. So so what do you think of the window manager? Um, I like it a lot. It's co- like I said. Oh, you mean the the default one? Yeah, the I think it's called the Fast Light Window Manager FL. The Fast Light Toolkit is what it's using, um, and it's it's it does its job. Um, it's got a nice little pretty dock down at the bottom. I don't care much for much for it that much. I, I I switched over to Hacked Box almost immediately, but nothing's wrong with it. I mean, it's it's definitely it's functional and everything. I just um, it, it didn't do anything for me, so I just switched over to Hacked Box. Okay, that's a new one on me. What 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 did you say it was? Hacked box. Yeah, it's it's basically Fluxbox with some. Uh, I think they said with open some open box pieces hacked into it somehow. I don't know enough about open box still to tell to be able to tell you you know what exactly the difference is. And I haven't gotten around to configuring Fluxbox enough to um, to really notice if anything's noticeably different than you know my other Fluxbox installs. So not really sure. Mainly right now, I've just been playing around with writing some of the uh, the extensions uh, for some of the packages that they don't have, notably Emacs and, and IRSSI. They don't have extensions for either of those two, so I'm, I'm trying to hack a, an install script for that and, and just trying to configure my environment. I mean, this is what's so cool, you know, because I, mean, I was looking at all these, like, little... I was looking at Slitaz. You remember that one, right, Monster Beast? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a cool one. But I was I, I was thinking I could install that, but, you know, everything I was looking at had just, like, one or two little applications that I didn't want or, or just had the wrong set of applications. You know, like, Wolvix I was really enjoying, but it it had all these GNOME apps that I'm just not used to. I'm like, I really, really, what I really want is either, you know, just, like, the things I'm used to in either KDE but without KDE or the stuff that I'm used to in Enlightenment or, you know, just whatever. So it's really a cool way to just build up your own, quickly build up your own little custom distro. I mean, it's not... It's not really that hard. It's just plugging in, basically modules that other people have uh, have written. I mean, it's a lot like it sounds a lot like Slack in that sense. Except, I perceived that it's a lot easier. If, for me, it was a lot easier to customize because it's just so bare bones from the very beginning. You know, I mean, even Slack has a, you know KDE three. You know, I mean, if you don't want that, then you have to spend all this time pulling out KDE three and trying to make that persistent. <laughs> And and then putting in the module of the thing that you actually want. With Tiny Core, the, only the base install is persistent, and you can just do whatever you want to in your little you know extension directory in your home directory. So it's, it's really really nice. The the one weirdness of it is that it doesn't have like that traditional kind of user and super user feel to it because you know I don't know if this is a function of BusyBox or or just being a persistent like live OS, but you don't really like, go in and add user, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're just kind of like this user, and all you have to do to type in, you know, to get root access is you say sudo, you know, whatever. And there's no, 
there's not really a password. So I'm working on trying to figure out what, what's up with all that stuff. And I'm having to read up on whether that's because it's a live OS or because it's a busy box. So, but aside from that, it's really fun to play around with. I highly recommend you look at it. Like I say, it's 10 megabytes. I mean, you can't, it, it's almost like ridiculous not to look at it. It's just really neat. Right. You can't go wrong with 10 megabytes. Yeah, I mean, it took me no time. I mean, literally, I had it on my on my hard drive, um, you know, in a time less than it takes me to download most of the podcasts that I listen to. You know, I mean, it's just such a quick download. Burn it to a CD or whatever, boot into it, and just go for it. It's really neat. You can build it onto a USB drive. You can build it onto your hard drive. You can build it onto a tiny little partition of your hard drive, whatever you want. And it's really, really flexible. You can put the core OS like on your hard drive, but then have your um, your home partition on a USB drive, you know. Or you could have the core OS uh, on a USB drive and your home on your hard drive, you know, or your and your extensions on something else, you know. It's just it's really, really flexible. You just pass certain options in the in the grub um, in the kernel line, defining where where the local extension directory is. And where the lo- and, and where your home directory is, and it will bind it to whatever you tell it to bind it to. Super easy. I mean, literally, it just took me no time to get this thing up and running. Coming from not knowing even really, not really understanding what it was, I thought it was something for for distribution people, you know, to take to take this tiny core, make this kernel or something, and then do whatever people do with kernels. And I, did, I didn't understand that it was kind of a really kind of easy sort of simple build-up-your-own-environment kind of thing. So it's really, really cool. And they just, I think they just tonight released 2.5 re- uh, release candidate uh, 2 or 3 or something. I'm actually over by our C channel right now talking to them about packaging, so they, they seem to be a pretty active little community and stuff. That's very and their cool. website's really good. Yeah, their website's really good. It's got lots of tutorials on it and stuff, So and their wiki is good. Yep, a neat project. Anybody got any questions for Cloud 2? No, it looks cool. I, I know I say this all the time, but it's just another another example of how you can never, ever get bored with this. Yeah. There's always yeah. something to play around with. Yep. You know, right. not not the chances are that you'd ever run something like, well, for me in particular, I wouldn't run it, but I certainly get on there and have a play with it for a while. But that's something, Cloud 2, you can whack on the USB stick Keeping the car when you go to a friend's house, fix their computer. You've got it handy, hey? Yeah, and that way you you can only bring along what you know that you need and are familiar with and stuff like that, too. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So speaking of good stuff, how much candy did you get tonight? You went trick-or-treating, right? Of course. I went as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> so you changed. You put, you put on your mask. Yeah. You didn't actually let your hair go back to natural color for one night. No, well, I dyed it to to like a brown, you know, for fun. People freak people out. Really yeah. tripped them out. And speaking of costumes, what what are you wearing, Peter? <laughs> at the window <laughs> seven party. <laughs> <laughs> I've like just got the napkins. Party? I've just got the napkins tied around my waist. That's it. <laughs> Thank God they're big. Uh, did anyone have a Windows 7 party that anyone knows of? Uh, I just wish I'd have got invited to one. I don't even know one. Know anyone that threw one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if there were really any 
<laughs> release parties. I mean, that just seems a little bit odd to me. I think well, that's see, a there were enough of them fake out. that they actually uh, turned a guy down. He applied to get the whole kit and everything, and they turned him down. I'll believe it when I see it. I think it's all media, fake stories being leaked into the media by Microsoft marketing machine. Well, it just seems so obvious that if you did run Windows, it would, it's just the cheap way of getting a bloody disk, isn't it? Yeah, really. Like, you'd be stupid if you didn't apply for one. They're dumb enough to give them away. I still wouldn't use it. I still wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I mean, it, uh, plenty of people obviously do, so they should have applied. You only had to get online and fill out a form, I think. There wasn't much to it, but anyway. I'm sure we'll hear more about the great Windows 7. It's already off to a good start. I'm kind of like the Tilt guys. I, I didn't really... I mean, I heard a lot about it sort of before it happened, but I, I really haven't gotten the... I haven't seen the, like, Windows 7, a you know a, a mind-blowing success kind of stories that I really had expected to see. But maybe those are still, you know, yet to come. I don't know. Are you sure? Yes. Look, we're lost here. It's dark, dark as night, right in the middle of the afternoon. And we've lost the path in that tree. Easy, Crane. Keep your head, man. I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to stay here and be murdered. Crane! Stay with us. No, no. I'm going to find the path and get out of here. Crane, stay here. We'll find a way back. I don't want to stay here and die. I want to get away from this place. Crane! Don't be a fool! Crane! Has anyone heard? I think we talked a little bit about the studio on um, Cranks, didn't we? When it, when you had to have an invite? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I think that's how I heard about it. Yeah, well, okay. So, as we know, like, one of the biggest benefits of Linux is that you can modify practically anything to suit your needs. In fact, that's almost one of the... Well, that is, I, to me, that's the main foundation that Linux is based on, why I use it. Um... And Zeus Studio sort of expands on this and just makes it for anyone, you know, anyone, it's easy for them to do it. And they provide all the online tools um, that allows you to, to just to build your own customised Linux distribution. What I did, I jumped on there and I just wanted to have a play with this. So I thought what I was going to do was build distribution that had Myth already installed so I could just take it, pop it in any machine and turn it into a myth front end. And, uh, and I was just so impressed at how easy all that was. Because virtually, well, once me, you've used it too. Like, um, when when you go to the front screen, it practically just asks you questions, doesn't it? Like, uh, you've, you choose a template, whether you want uh, just, just what they call it, a J-E-O-S, just enough OS, which will has no window manager or anything like that. It'll just get you uh, booted to the command line. You can set up a server, text-based server edition, um, a minimal X, which is the one I used, which uses IceWin, uh, or you can do a GNOME or KDE 4 or 3 desktop. So by just answering one of those questions, that'll get you started. Then it... Jay Lindsay, I suppose then it packages the absolute bare minimum packages that you need to get that system up and running and from then on you start to customize it to do exactly what you want it to do yeah exactly uh, yeah they, now, they make you, sure that if you if you select uh, that you want a live cd they take care of all the uh 
the packages that you would need to do the install. Stuff. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the other day that this to do this sort of stuff has been around for a long time. Like, really, you could do this with any distribution, practically. You could... The, the thing with this, it just made it so easy, didn't it? Yeah, you can do uh, kickstart files in Red Hat and Fedora, but, you know, those are just text files. And if you get something wrong, you're going to have to go fix it again. And this just makes it super simple to do. Yeah, and that was the other um, beautiful thing about this, is once you've gone and designed your customized distribution, you can then go and test drive it before you even download it so what you can do after you go through the other thing I did like about this is you could add external uh, repos so that way because I wanted um, Myth which isn't part of the actual um, OpenSUSE repos I then could go and say okay I want to put the Pacman repos which has a lot of the M player and, and all the codecs and stuff like that as part of it then I just said okay I, I want to install uh, have Myth TV installed when this thing's built so it, it went and pulled those uh, myth packages off the Pacman repo, put it in my ISO, and then I was able to go and test. Well, you build it, and it's built, I take it online, and then you get to run it in a virtual machine. Um, and then if you're happy with the way it is, then you just go and tell it that you want to uh, you know, build this as a, a bootable live CD that is capable of an installation is what I did. Wow. Yeah, it really is. I know as much as people don't like, um, well, I suppose it's Novell they don't like, and OpenZeus to a degree is a little bit different, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, it really is a brilliant thing if just to go in and, and have a play with. Yeah, really, you can't go wrong. Even if you didn't know what you were doing, you would, you'd have to be pretty bad to build something and it didn't work. In fact, I don't think you could. So the, the base install is sort of that just enough of us where it, it, I mean, there's no way you're going to build something with, like, Myth TV, but you forgot to install, you know, like, um, I don't know, X, you know, something like that, right? I mean, it wouldn't let you do something like that. Yeah, that's right. It it, it, it would be no different than if you were running Zeus and, and you wanted to um, install Myth TV on that and you run either Zyper or, or do it through Yast. As soon as you told it you want to install the Myth TV package, it goes through and does all the dependencies for you. Nice. So yeah, you couldn't you couldn't get that wrong. And the only thing I did find other repos. Pardon? And you can even pull stuff from other repos. So if well, yeah, you can. Yeah, you could go through and I take it any dist, uh, any repository that OpenSUSE uses. Yeah. Um, like I said, all the Pacman ones were there. You could ha include all, all the NVIDIA Addy drivers if you wanted to, because you you could include them um, when you added repos. I mean, the sky's the limit when it comes to that. Whatever you can do with um, with Zeus, you could you could just do with Zeus Studio. That the only problem I ran into was when I originally set up my distribution, I wanted auto login because I was building this as a, um, a media distribution. You know, like I said, to turn any computer into a media front end. I also included uh, XBMC in it. Uh, I'll get into that a bit later, but. I set it up for an auto-login. So when I logged in, for some reason in the VM, I couldn't use my keyboard. My mouse was working fine. I had to... And then I logged out, and I came to the... It's the GDM logon screen, is it? Or KDM, whatever it uses. And my keyboard worked. Then I logged back in, and sure enough, my keyboard was working in it. And I, I actually... I mentioned that to Jane Lindsay because I was talking to him in the IRC when I was doing all this. 
And um, anyway, I thought, ah, oh, this could be a problem with that VM, whatever it uses for the virtual machine that you tested in. When I actually built it and went and tried it on a machine, lo and behold, exactly the same thing. When it booted into my customised Linux distribution, I had no keyboard. I had to get out, log back in, and it worked. Anyway, Jay Lindsay found out that that is a problem at the moment. If you use auto login, it's actually skipping a couple of steps that it should be. That's obviously something that they'll rectify pretty soon, I'd imagine. Because no one uses auto login on Linux, Peter, except you. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm probably the only one who ever found that bug. Yeah, but, no, I mean, like, oh, people yeah. use that feature. Yeah, but if you can appreciate, if you if you want to build a, a multimedia uh, distribution, you really that's all you want to do is for it to boot in. And it it was great. I could stick it in any laptop, any computer, and it just start Myth um, TV, and it just used that. UNPNP or whatever it bloody is, and, and logged on to my back end, and there I, there you had it. Wow. Uh, now, like I said, I did install XBMC as well. However, XBMC needs uh, hardware acceleration to actually run, so that was a bit of a fail. I'd have to, you know, but if I did this again, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd just include the drivers, the NVIDIA and drivers on the thing, or at least include the repos anyway. Now he's in for it. We're better off by staying together. I don't know whether we are or not. Listen! It's great. Sounds like he's strangling. Come on! Oh, he couldn't have gotten far. Right over here, I think. Take it easy now. Be careful. Oh, there he is. Yes. Stretched out on the ground. Like... But I actually tried it too. I uh, I made a just a, like a minimal you know install with Fluxbox and all the KDE four games, and the ISO was only t- 250 megabytes. You know, yeah. the download size. That's cool. And I'm thinking that's kind of a good way for distributions to minimize like a lot of the bandwidth usage. You'd think you know let people just decide what they want on their on their download. But also, what you can do with this too, you can upload. RPM. So if you create like a custom kernel or maybe like a custom RPM package, you can upload that. Uh, you can change everything about it, like the logo, the boot end screen, the wallpaper. Wow. So you can make it look like your distro. Crazy. That's really cool. And I didn't get into all the scripts. Uh, maybe, I don't know, Jay Lindsay, could you explain those scripts, what you can do with them? Well, they have a, an overlay section where you can upload uh, individual files that you want on the uh, the image which means that you could put your uh, existing configuration files in there, and when you boot up the first time, they're already there. And there's a uh, script section where uh, you can tell it you want the script to run at the end of the build or when it boots. And, you know, pretty much anything that you you could put in a shell script, you could do in this. Like, you could add users, uh, copy files around, echo things into configuration files. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really great technology. I mean, I, I like to see... You know, other distros doing this. It would seem, and I, I don't know anything about it, but it would seem like people building distributions are probably using a set of shell scripts to kind of throw all their stuff together. I mean, I'm sure they're not doing it all by hand. And probably what Seuss did was take those scripts that they're using to build their distro and just kind of like link it into a web interface. And so you're just answering questions, and then it's kind of like running everything that they do anyway. So you'd think that other distributions would have that same kind of workflow that they could, in theory, 
link into a web a web interface. It'd be pretty cool. You couldn't go wrong with it. That that's the thing. You even if you'd never done anything like this before, which I hadn't, it just just automated everything for you. And um, I even went after I made my live CD. I made it so it could be installed, and I installed it on a computer too. So because it, it just had everything I really needed for that particular computer, really. The only thing I didn't check, which I meant to, was after I built my like Zeus, um, you know, customized. Uh, distribution. I didn't check how fast it actually booted compared to Arch or something, which would have really interested me to see how light it was. There's no way it could beat Arch. Uh, I want to be bloody good too, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and, and when I say how fast, okay, so it, it might take 20 seconds. I, I don't think any modern uh, distribution boots that slow, does it? They're all bloody quick these days on the machines we run. Anyway, look, do yourself a favour and, and go and have a play with it. Um, you do have to sign up for the invitation, but now it's almost instantaneous. As soon as you sign up for it, then you'll get something in your mailbox, uh, some activation code, and you just go there and, and away you go. Yep, it's worth a look at. You can plus it. You can make 32-bit, 64-bit, and then they even have a like a server edition, and you can even pick uh, not only OpenSUSE but Sled 10 and 11. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Anything else on this one? Not for me. Well, let's move on to Azimuth. Oh, howdy, howdy. Yeah, this this week uh, got to spend most of it uh, trying to get a meth box back up. But uh, this was uh, was the week that uh, Karmic Koala come out, new Ubuntu. And uh, I did take uh, enough time out of uh, working on my junk pile meth box to, uh, to sample some, some of the new... Uh, Ubuntu uh, distro. There's not a whole lot to say about it other than it works. Did some installs uh, that I don't normally do. I did just uh, an online distro upgrade with uh, my uh, Miso netbook, and uh, it, the whole thing worked when it got through, which surprised me. I was figuring, well, I'll probably end up having to download the ISO and, <laughs> and rebuild this thing when I get through, but the distro upgrade worked. It did download a whole bunch of crap, though, but uh, that's just just what it takes to upgrade the, from, from an earlier version. And I also uh, also got uh, Zubuntu 9.10, and like I said, it it just plain worked. Uh, no flies any place. Uh, there nothing broke anywhere, and this is pretty wide uh, range. Uh, computers that I've put it on, too. Uh, most of them uh, antiques. And that's about all I can say for it. You know, when when you don't have problems with it, uh, you kind of run out of, out of conversation fast. Even put it on your server? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's running on the server. I, rather than the server edition this time, I, I put Zubuntu. Because, uh, well, the server's going to go in the shop, and I want uh, all, you know, I'll use it as a, a music and uh, and Obcast uh, player two out there. I, I haven't heard much about it, but I haven't listened to that many podcasts this week about the release. Oh, I've heard a lot uh, of things about it, but I know a lot of people who were running, you know. It. Well, I think, think just about everybody's been running uh, either yeah. the RC or the betas or the alphas, yeah, exactly. and you know, and and all, all the way through the development on this thing, well, people kept saying, uh, "Yeah, it just works." You know, we're we're not having problems. That's really cool. 
I remember, you know, not not two or three releases ago. I remember one that you know broke X for a while or something, and oh, another one broke. Oh, Har- Hardy, Hardy was yeah. bad. It, everybody but me had problems with it, and I, I was running the alphas, and uh, I just kept upgrading it until I had the full release, and uh, and I never had any problems. But everybody else I hear, well, it was all hardware-related issues. I just happened to have the right combination of yeah. uh, of hardware for Hardy. Yeah, it's really good to hear about a, a solid, solid release. Is this an LTS one or no? No. Uh, the next one is LTS. Is it, okay. is, it the, is it the next one next spring? Yeah. All right. Anything else? Nothing else for me. It's, um... All right. Next up, G-Man. All right. I've been playing with... Uh... This thing called Foronix Test Suite, and it is just all kinds of cool. So basically, they built this thing with uh, PHP 5. Uh, it's primarily command line, but you can get the PHP GTK uh, stuff, and the the graphical interface will let you do the same thing. But pretty much, the uh, you run it and you do list tests or list suites, and it will tell you. Uh, the possible tests that you can install, and this thing uh, tests various aspects of the system, and it'll either save the results or print them out to you. But uh, the suites, uh, there's specific ones for BSD and such as that. But uh, you, you can test uh, like ray tracing, uh, 3D rendering. Uh, it'll write to the file system and the RAM, and uh, do all these uh, speed tests. And they have this. Uh, cool thing called Pharaonic Global, where people can upload the results of these benchmarks, and uh, the software itself will do a, uh, it will read the uh, the hardware and see what kind of motherboard and processor and hard drive and everything like that. It'll tell uh, what kind of X version you have, and it uploads all this to the server for everybody to compare their results. It's pretty cool stuff. So, is this to a degree like that, uh, was it 3D Marks? that they used to do in Windows, that sort of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's going to stress test uh, the video card and pretty much uh, every piece of the system they can test with this thing. Yeah, that is cool. I, I've often asked, is there a decent benchmarking tool for Linux? And I'm getting a bit sick of GLX keys. But hey, Lindsay, uh, Codem's asked IRC if it's the same thing as hard info. I don't know what hard info is. I have no idea what he's talking about either. Yeah, when you list the uh, available tests, it'll tell you whether the test is actually free or if there's a retail component involved, like Doom 3. Uh, you're obviously going to need some kind of retail thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshots, and it looks like it, it outputs it to an HTML file, or is that HTML? I was just wondering if you can use it for your own website, like if you were going to do some tests on like, different motherboards, could you actually use all this for your website? Or do they have, like, a disclaimer? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. But at the the global thing is just so they can have it all in one spot so everybody can compare. I'm not sure about the uh, the anonymous thing. It asks you, uh, on the first run, it asks you if you want to submit anonymous statistics. And I'm not sure what extent they go to. I mean, when you look on Pharonix Global, there's a bunch of entries marked anonymous, but I'm not sure if that's the same thing. I say it's already in the community um, repository on Arch. So it's been around for a while then, has it? Must have been. Yeah, uh, I think you probably want to go ahead and get the most up-to-date one you can get. The development one. 
because it's available in like Fedora, you can get version 1.8 something, but you start to run into the problems of uh, links being dead in their scripts, and some of them will start to fail. But if you get the newest one, uh, you know, those will be up to date with the links. Because it's essentially a bunch of shell scripts. It downloads all this uh, to your home directory and runs the, the scripts that way. Pretty easy to install. Oh, yeah, very easy. If, if it's not, like, you, you can get it in most repos now, but you can grab the development version and just, it's just an install script. And, like, you could run it directly from the tarball if you wanted. I'm going to wait till 3.30 makes a package for me to install. 3Man, did you hear that? I'm not making any packages for you. <laughs> You're still sulking. If I make you a package, it'll be ticking, sir. <laughs> so what kind of package did 330 make? It was a present. I wrapped it. I put a bow on it. It was pretty. I forgot you guys mentioned it, but I already forgot what he made. No comment. I said enough yesterday. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I felt bad. Me completely. <laughs> Beat my neck. Until the blood was flowing freely. And then she, her ladyship, sucked at it and swallowed it. My daughter speaks truth, sir. She has never lied in all the years. So what's your story, 330, how to make RPM packages? Well, actually, uh, I have a dilemma here. Do we want to hear about how... Adobe is pushing for Flash and PDF in our new open government. Or do we want to hear more about the uh, laptops that they're giving to Australian kids that are spying on them? Talk about the Australian thing, 330. The only thing I saw there was, it was a while back, they were talking about this back in March, but I haven't heard anything about it. But I mean, I don't have a kid in um, college or year nine either, so... Now, talk about that. That's interesting, what they're going to do with that monitoring software and stuff on it. All right, we have one vote for Australian Story. I really don't care about Australian Stories. They have no uh, application to my life, so go with the other one. All right, we're at one and one. I just want you to speak up so I can hear you. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're at one and one. Come on, sound break the draw, will you? Uh, I'm going to say uh, the, the laptop story because... Peter's bigger than Claw 2. <laughs> what, what is the second story? I must admit I didn't hear the second I story. I forget. I don't know. <laughs> talk about them both. Just hurry up and talk about no, something, just, for God's sake. Yeah, do something about Well, I, I, I didn't want to evoke it and have a whole bunch of stories. That's true. No, go for Australia. I'm, I'm all about that. Okay. In Australia, they're giving these... Uh, there's the low note... It'd be great if I could talk now. The Lenovo IdeaPad S10e. It's a uh, it's a netbook that they're shipping with um, Windows 7 on it. And what they've done is they're specifically made by Lenovo for school kids and their teachers because in Australia they gave the teachers and the kids the the same laptop. But um, they've put in innovative technologies, quote unquote, that um they have advanced network security and remote manageability tools, which means that they can watch, they can look at the content that you're surfing on the internet, and they can disable it remotely at any time. And uh, they also put um, 
RFID tagging in it, which means that if the laptop was lost or stolen or otherwise destroyed, they would still be able to find it because RFID chips are you know, pretty resilient to, I think, everything but a microwave. It's like, even if you took it and pitched it in the river, they could still find it. Well, you just run it through the microwave first. Huh. Yeah, but then you're destroying school property, which could be an issue. But one of the things that I'm seeing is, you know, RFID isn't that hard to track. I mean, it's kind of what it's made for. So, you know, it, we can go into, you know, paranoid parent mode here and go, well, what about the the pedophile that gets himself an RFID reader and starts tracking kids around? Or the simple fact that you don't need to spy on your damn kids all the time. Hey, that's a parent's job. Yeah, I I still reckon that the parents have got to take responsibility for what their kids are doing. And that's not just what they're doing on their bloody computer either. I'm old school when it comes to that sort of stuff, I'm afraid. Yeah, you to sit your kid down at the, at the dinner table and ask them what they did. I mean, you put yeah. food in front of a kid and they'll start telling you the truth. It's crazy. Yeah, just be involved. Get involved in what they're doing. David, uh, I'll soon have a blog post up on um, something kind of techy, teaching kids how to get around this by using Linux off of a thumb drive. I just have to look at the, the hardware specs some more because I think they all have um, Broadcom wireless chips in them. Well, most of them are supported, aren't they, these days? Yeah, I, I have to make sure that that one is or yeah. show them all how to go immediately and install the, install the driver. But yeah, I think just, you know, booting just about any live distro with a persistent directory in it and they'll be good. You know, your your pub. Well, there's your... there's a way around the Broadcom too. Yeah, as long as you're gonna run a live distro off a USB, we'll use another USB port, plug another uh <laughs> plug a different Wi Fi card in. Plug a different Wi Fi card in. One one that you know will work. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure on top of giving these kids these laptops they've got to be giving them thumb drives and all that crap yeah they probably i mean what kid doesn't have a thumb drive at this point so they've already got everything at their disposal they just need to put all the things in the right order say in the uh the other story is more u.s centric so Klaatu can you know feel relevance <laughs> but um the obama administration has made transparent and public access to government information priority bullshit but uh, Adobe is trying to uh, weasel its way in. Uh, they have a the Adobe Opens Up website, which is adobe.com slash opengov, where they're trying to convince people that Flash and PDF need to be uh, part of this, this open and transparent government thing. The only problem is the entire website's in Flash. <laughs> no, everything. You can't That's select funny. text. You can't oh. search it. You can't run scripts against it. You can't copy it. You can't do anything. Hold on. I want to try to go to that site. I just want to see it not work. What is it? Adobe.com slash... <laughs> OpenGov. OpenGov. Well, it does funny. nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, in their... They're open and transparent and, you know, you know, lovey-dovey, you know, let's be happy and nice and play with everyone. Um, if you're blind, <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah. You know, if you don't run Flash or any of this stuff because of, you know, free software ideals, you're screwed. I mean, I, I don't mind PDF except for the fact that it's not a 
a very good format for being transparent. I mean, you know, it's kind of a pain in the rear to get PDFs to behave in uh, screen readers and the such. Yeah, you know, just good old-fashioned text documents would probably be a better solution. But I, I think this kind of shows the uh, the uselessness of the word open at this point. Yeah, well, that is funny. Yeah, that site is useless. It's like a sort <laughs> of a grayish uh, thing. And, and actually, if I try to go to, like, opendove slash index.html, it just threatens to crash Conqueror entirely. So, yeah, wow, funny. Yeah, I mean, you can't uh, increase the text size. You can't decrease it. You can't change the font. You can't, you can't do anything to it. I think it's a brilliant point, though. We should tell... I'm going to tell all my blind friends to go to that site. I'm going to and I'm going to do it sarcastically and I'm going to be like, oh, it's a really great initiative. It's 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 great. Adobe's really opening up. Go to just go to adobe.com/opengov. And then when they start to lose their mind, <laughs> yeah. have them write a, a letter to both <laughs> yeah. the the president and to Adobe and you know, maybe help them edit it, you know, remove all the swear words and the Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, I, I'm actually really curious now as to what their site could possibly say, but I guess I'll never know because I'm not going to really bother, and I'm not curious enough to install Flash. So. Yeah. Well, in the in the story, there's a little bit of some of it, but no one was really interested in talking about what the site actually said because of the obvious and unmistakable irony that was it being completely in Flash. And uh, there's this uh, there's a group of uh, web developers and designers called Sunlight Labs, which is a, it's like an EFF of web coders that uh, kind of rip this thing apart in in a absolutely hilarious and psychotic way. What, what's the name of the group again? The, Sunlight oh, Labs. Sunlight Labs. Dot com. Okay. All right, some good finds. Three thirty. Um, you guys ready for the commands of the week? All right. You betcha. All right, Claude, too. Oh, I'm first. Okay. Well, this is pretty easy, and hopefully not everyone knows it yet. It's just something I've been noticing a lot lately because I've been playing around, like I said, with those Slack build scripts and the, the little tiny core Linux scripts. It's uh, yeah, Everyone knows the make dir command, right? M-K-D-I-R, of course, to make a new directory. But did you know that you could do a make dir uh, dash p, as in parent, and then you can say, okay, so I want to make, I want to make, you know, like a podcasts directory, and in podcasts, I want there there to be a Linux cranks directory, and then in Linux cranks, I also want there to be a, uh, yeah, a tit radio directory. So what you can do is say make dir dash p uh, dot slash podcast slash Linux cranks slash tit radio, and it will make each, you know, it will make all the all those directories, even though so far there's not a podcast, there's not yet a Linux cranks. It'll make those two, and then it'll make that tit radio uh, directory. So you've got instead of saying make dir podcasts and then cding into podcasts and make dir Linux cranks and then cding into Linux cranks and make dir tit radio. So make dir dash p will make will make the, the the directory that you want to make plus all the directories that need to be made in order to lead up to it. If that makes sense. Gosh, that give me a headache. Can you put that in the IRC where I can see it? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I probably I probably just didn't do a very good um, explanation. So uh, no, it was first. a good explanation. It was just once you put 
a switch and then some flashes after it. We all kind of glazed over. <laughs> Sorry. Um, just so people know, with the command of the week, if you get over to Linux Cranks forum, all the commands with either a bit of the man page or just an explanation of what's happening with them, you'll find them over there. Uh, one of the threads, what did we call it? I think it was just called Cow or Command yeah, of the yeah. Week or something. Yep. Yeah. So for people who sort of miss it but would like to know, go over there and have a look. Yeah, there'll be a link to that in the show notes too. And thank you, Kwa, too. I, uh, I, I, I can see what you're talking about now, but that, that will make all, all the whole directory chain. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It's pretty cool. Um, yes, that is cool. Yeah, saves me a lot of time. I used to make the directory, and then I'd change directory into Make the next one. Next one. <laughs> yeah, right. This is, this is the way to do it. Very nice. What do you got for us, Peter? Unfortunately, if you don't run KDE or, or Conqueror, to be more specific, you won't get much out of this one. But I know a lot of people who do run Conqueror just either click on the icon or you know type Conqueror in the uh, in, in your terminal or whatever. But that typically just opens it up, I think, in the web page view. I'm not quite sure because it's been a long time since I've started it that way. But if you start it with KFM client, then space open say profile and profiles with the capital P that's all one word profile then you can either open it up straight in its file management um, view or the web uh, browsing view or if you go to the trouble to set up your own profiles and name them for instance I just have one that I've called Peter which opens up in the file manager view but with split windows in the two directories that I want to move files typically the most which is from my Mythbox to uh, any of my other computers. So that's very easy to do. If Once you get go into uh, Conqueror, set up, get it set up the way you want, then you just go up to the settings, I think it is, and say save profile, call it whatever you want, then simply when you go to start it, instead of opening Conqueror and, and typing Conqueror or whatever, just type KFM client space open profile, whatever you call it. Too easy. The other thing you can also do, I think, is do open URL and then type the URL in there and it'll open up on that particular web page. There's quite a few things you can do with it, really. It doesn't have to so be a web page, too. It can be a location on your on your system. Yeah, that's right. Your file, yeah, that's right, in your yeah. directory yeah, yeah. view. So that, yeah, that's exactly right. It really is handy. But the other thing, the reason I like it the most, obviously, and I imagine you could do this in, uh, conc uh, in KDE, is... When you set up shortcut keys, like I'll just have Alt-Z um, because they're right there, so they're the two quickest to hit because typically it's what I use the most to open up the uh, file manager view. Then I set up another profile which I just associate with the keys Alt-X and you just go through and do that. And after a while you just don't even think about them, you just hit them and next minute Conqueror's popped up and opened the way exactly the way you want it. It's just too easy. And for people who use GNOME, do yourself a favour and piss off Nautilus and start using Conqueror. So there you go. The um, profiles are stored. If I don't think there's that many anyway. I think there's only file management and uh, URL, I think. But they're in, in your home directory dot kde4 forward slash share forward slash apps forward slash Conqueror forward slash profiles if you 
want to know where they're stored and go and have a look at them. Oh, web browsing is the other one that's in there. Yeah, it's web browsing file manager. I, I thought they had a split view, but I could be wrong. Uh, there's KDE development. Yeah, there's Midnight Commander. That's, that's Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's a few. Web browsing. There's like five, you're right, by default yeah. anyway. Yeah, but like I said, take the time, set up specific ones that you want, and all of a sudden Conqueror becomes that much better. Yeah, combined with the keyboard shortcuts, like you said, that's that's pretty cool because you can just, I've got my meta and, you know, whatever letter assigned to all kinds of different things. It's really fast. I don't know how easy it is to set those up in GNOME. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't think it'd be very hard, surely. Yeah, KFM client's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Of course, if you do run those things in a terminal, uh, once you run them, they're in your history, and... I'm sure there's a very simple way to go back through your history and run them again without having to type it all. Would that be right, Monster B? Yeah, you can just type history and uh, grep what you're looking for and then just hit the uh, explanation point and with the number that it outputs to the left of it. Too easy, isn't it? Wait, what is that? I heard that tip before and I didn't ever get it. So it's history and then you grep whatever you want. And then, and then, then it's going to output it and there's going to be a number to the left of it. Okay. Yeah, just type in the explanation point and that number, okay. uh, and, okay. and it'll start that command again. Nice. Okay. Yeah, you can all you can also use a, a string after the exclamation. Like if you put uh, bang ssh, it's going to run the last command that started with ssh. Oh, cool. So hit Control R in bash. And since we're talking about history, that was my command of the week. What? Not actually history, but just like a little tip for it. You can add a history time format to your output. It's uh, let's see real quick. I'll pull it up here. It's 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 export history time format, and then just like a regular date type format. And you can you can add. I'll put this in the show notes because it's hard to explain. But you can add this to your your Bash RC, or you can or you can make it global and add it to your Etsy slash profile. So it, it works on all the uh, users. You can actually type that in now, and it will uh, it'll start working. But I mean, when you re log in, it won't be there unless you add it to your Bash RC or your profile. Wow, that is really cool. I did not ever. I've never seen that before. I like that. I just posted an example of mine. I won't post an example of mine. I got in trouble doing that last night. <laughs> but you can get the you know the date code you know for the time format. You can just do like a man date. That doesn't. That sounds like something three thirty would say. <laughs> but you can uh, type in man date, <laughs> and you can see all the different time formats. You know, if you don't want the seconds on there, or you, if you don't want the month or the year. <clears throat> all right, and what's your command of the week, J Man? Mine is a very simple command, but also very useful. It's lsof. And if you just type it by itself, it's going to list every open file on the system. And you can give it a path. You can say, what program has this particular file open right now? Which could help you if you couldn't unmount a device, maybe. And it does uh, sockets. You can do dash I TCP, and it will tell you all the TCP connections. So, uh, pretty cool. Wow, this is cool. I have a lot of stuff open. I had to pipe the uh, less command on that one to see everything. It really gives you an idea of, of what's going on on your system, actually. It's really interesting to look at. 
All right, that was a bunch of cool commands. Um, I just noticed in the chat room, 3.30 said Nautilus is shit. I thought he was a big <laughs> fan of Nautilus. I thought he was all about Nautilus. Not what I heard. I've heard once you know how to build RPM packages, that's it. You're mature enough to say goodbye to Nautilus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants to know what kind of package he made, just drop into the uh, Linux Cranks IRC on Freenode and ask 3.30. Or you can is there a place you can download it? Not yet. I've got to put it up somewhere for when I reinstall. But since you guys are making fun of me, I'll go ahead and tell everybody how to do it since it's a command. And it'll be the first time I've done a command of the week, I think. Just being a, a recent convert to Fedora, I didn't know any of this shit was possible. Because I had been under the assumption for years that people that used RPM-based systems were either retarded or just didn't know better. Because no one had told me that this existed. But if you take a, a source RPM, which I'm still not exactly sure why they exist. Because all it is is the source code and a spec file. But I'm sure that I'll get an email about why they exist. And I'll still be confused because I'm still a huge RPM noob. But uh, there's this thing called RPM Build. And if you do RPM... Or RPM build space dash dash rebuild and then your the package name dot source dot RPM it'll spit out just a regular RPM. It, it's optimized. Like I, I, is it what does it say? It says it's like I mean what does it name it? Does it like say I five eighty six or something or? Yeah, that's what mine spit out. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it. Uh, you can do a similar thing in Debian when you're compiling. If you do check install instead of make install, and it'll go through and do all the dependent, you know, tell you all your dependencies that you need, and then spit out a a dev package, which is actually kind of nice when you're building something for someone who has no idea how to compile software, and you're like, dude, just hold on, I'll do it, and you can download this. But yeah, I I was excited because I actually got something to work the first time playing with it, and. Fedora, so I was overexcited about my minor achievement. Nonsense! You can't be overexcited about your own achievement. It's cool. It's really neat. Well, I, I get excited that I put pants on every day too. It's the little okay, things. Okay, you're right. Life. You can get too excited about some of your achievements. Well, I put them on myself. I mean, <laughs> there were two legs. I mean, come on. Give me a give me a break here. All right. I've only been doing it for like 24 years. You know, it's not a big deal. Except for it is. It's a huge deal. Yeah, so that was my minor achievement of the week and cool thing that I did. And if anyone needs an RPM for BT Scanner, they should just email me because I've got one. Actually, I wouldn't mind getting getting that uh, 3.30. Don't build it your bloody self, Clarto. You know how now. Don't be so lazy. Well, I think, didn't you say that it was hard to find that source RPM 3.30? It was kind of a pain. It was in a kind of way off the beaten path. I actually didn't find the source RPM. Somebody in Hash Fedora did. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like it's just, like, sitting around necessarily. I mean, it, I'm sure I could find it, but, I mean, if you've got it, it would be kind of easy to just grab it from you. Then I'll I'll be hosting the RPM that I built, you know, my minor achievement and all. Um, the source RPM I used and the actual tarball. If people don't trust me, they can just get the tarball and look at it. Because I wouldn't trust me. 
I mean, hell, I was excited that, you know, I used RPM built. Well, now that the uh, entire world knows, Peter and Jay Lindsay will get off my ass. No, probably not. I was going to say, not likely. <laughs> you, you guys still have <laughs> no. a, a whole bag of stones to throw. Not until um, not until Zoke comes back. You're it. You've been tagged. <laughs> I've got to get him sacked from that job. Or bring Peggy Sue on. I mean, shit, I wear a different shirt at least once a week. That kid's still wearing the tilt shirt he was given. Hey, Klaatu, I listened to uh, the Bad Apples... And you mentioned that your Slacker Media project? Yes, yes, um, it is. Check, checking out the website now, it looks really nice. Yeah, well, thanks for the logo idea. Oh, that was nothing. No, I'm, yeah, it's coming along pretty nicely, actually. I've been working at it, you know, fairly diligently. So there's still a lot of stuff to be to be worked on, but the real-time kernel issues and stuff like that. But, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Then where's this uh, logo? Uh, it's go to slackermedia.info, um, and... You will see the logo that Monster B designed at the very top. That, that that page is actually my minor achievement thing that I was all excited about because I actually did it from scratch with a proper, like, you know, cascading style sheet that wasn't embedded in the HTML page, you know. It probably doesn't look right on all browsers, but... Because I, I still don't get that whole relative font size thing, but, you know, it's, it's cool. It's fun. Looks pretty good. Oh, cool. Looks better than my website. So, and you mentioned the slackermedia.info domain. You're just going to let it expire after a year? Yeah, probably. I mean, it was only 89 cents to get. So, um, really, it's straightedgelinux.com uh, slash slackermedia. That's, that, that domain I've had for a while and, and will continue to have. So that's a good name, though, slackermedia? Well, maybe I'll get slackermedia.com at that point or something. Or maybe I'll renew it. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. Well, before I end the show, anything else? Everybody's tired from their uh, their Halloween festivities. And Windows 7 parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe we had eight trick-or-treaters this year, and six of them showed up on a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing better than me. The only one I had was Peggy Sue, and he lives here. Oh, <laughs> uh, not the uh, pumpkin with the hole in the side. We, we don't discuss that anymore. Not not since the lawsuit. Well, I think it's a good time to end the show. <laughs> On that disgusting note. Well, thanks everyone for joining me, and uh, thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Hey, thanks for having us, Monster B. See you later. Bye, everybody. Good night. Come on, J-Man. Oh, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make that the end of every show, I reckon. Cranks and pit. <laughs> Always with the J Man. Yeah, really. That can be our, what is it, legacy? Or whatever you call it. Tradition. Uh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. And the J Man's case, it's latency.
Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.